Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of His name. He has power over life and death. Every knee will bow and tongue confess. Heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of the Father will you bow, will you surrender to His majesty. He can save you from the might of all your sin. This is the fight in which He stands in perfect victory while you have breath. have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to he is a shelter from the coming storm While you have breath 
choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ Amen You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Just outside of the old city of Jerusalem. I stood before a tomb. The opening was small. I was by myself. I bent down, and I entered what many believe to be the tomb of Jesus cut out of rock. The place looked like the biblical description And there was a heavy sense of death in that place. I stood there with tears running down my face. And then suddenly, out of the depths of my soul, came a loud cry. He is risen. Christ is risen. My arms were up in the air with shouts of victory. Jesus has risen. He's alive. If Jesus rose from that tomb of death, then logically we must die to the world and live wholly to Jesus. This is a hard saying to the natural man. Natural people don't want to hear about this Jesus who lives. It's offensive to them. They would prefer him to be dead, someone to be remembered, not someone to be served. See, the reality is we must be cleansed from all sin and we must be made perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect if we are to enter the kingdom above. It's not just Pastor Ray who's saying this. I just quoted John Wesley in a sermon that he gave on circumcision. But it's also the teaching of Scripture. We're going to look at that today, this very difficult subject of of heart circumcision. When we are circumcised in Christ, we no longer show any regard for honor 
from any person. We seek only honor from Jesus Christ. We set our hearts only on Jesus. And we set our hearts on nothing of this world. In Jesus, there is the power to make sinners righteous. That is done by means of the circumcision of the heart. Now, in the Old Testament, circumcision was outwardly done in the physical flesh. It was a sign, an everlasting covenant with the Jewish people given to Joshua in Joshua 5, 2 to 12. A sign that you belong to Yahweh, to the great God of heaven. But in the New Testament, circumcision is the stripping off of the carnal nature the complete removal of moral depravity. And this is done by our Lord Jesus. Now, I have been scorned for teaching this. In fact, the National Prayer Chapel was abruptly, before one Easter, kicked out of the Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. We were even told we were not welcome on their property. We were told we could not come to the prayer room and pray. We were treated as heretics. The bishop was very angry and upset with us because he said, you are teaching the removal of moral depravity, and you can't do that. We're all sinners, and we'll be sinners until we reach heaven. He was teaching the traditions of man. He was not teaching scripture. Utterly deceived. A wicked heart. But, John Wesley was also told he was no longer welcome to preach in any of the Anglican church pulpits because of this same teaching. Now, we need to deal honestly with our hearts. This is not an easy and effortless road that we have been called to walk in Jesus Christ. It is a crucifixion. That's not sitting down and having a bowl of ice cream. It means daily self-denial of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It is time for you and for me to deal honestly and faithfully with our own souls. Now that's hard to do. And people will come and they'll subscribe to this channel. And then after a message like today, 
a bunch of people will unsubscribe. Or people will come and they'll tune in for a few minutes and then they'll be gone because they don't want to hear. But they are responsible for what they can hear. You are responsible before God for what is shared on this broadcast to test it according to the word of God, not according to the traditions of man, not according to the opinions and philosophy of man, but according to the word of God. Now, if this word of God is real, and I believe it is, if Jesus rose from the dead, and I know he did, then we are obligated to live completely holy unto Jesus. And not to any other person or any other thing. Anything that I have in my life must flow first through Jesus Christ. Or it is not acceptable. It is of darkness. Now the Apostle Paul says in Romans, the second chapter, Verse 29, circumcision is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter of the law, of whom the approval is not from within men, but from within God. And so, in all fairness, I don't come expecting you to approve or disapprove of what I'm going to share with you. You are welcome to come and go as you choose. But you are responsible before God, for you have been taught the word of God, faithfully according to the word of God, recognizing that it cuts directly across the mainstream evangelical church. See, the mainstream evangelical church teaches that we are saved by faith alone. Well, I believe that too. I'm saved by faith alone. Here's the difference. They believe that that faith alone is a legal issue, not a regenerative issue, not something that makes you into a new person. When I say, I am saved by faith alone, I mean, I am transformed by the power of faith in Jesus Christ and in his blood. I am washed, I am made clean, and the old man of sin is utterly destroyed. I'm going to show you that now in the book of Colossians. The Apostle Paul could not be more plain with us than this word he speaks to us in the book of Colossians. Let's begin in Colossians, the second chapter, verse 6. As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, you must continue walking in him, having been rooted and being built up in him, and being firmly established in the faith as you were taught, 
abounding in it with thanksgiving, you must watch out lest there shall be anyone leading you astray through philosophy and empty deceit. There is a philosophy of salvation and there is a total deceit in the body of Christ today that has caused the church to become lukewarm and of no value to the world, causing it to be scorned by the culture because they recognize that the church today in America has, for the most part, become just big business. Pastors piling up as much brush as they can, building the great cathedral that they can build, and yet they have no fire to light that because they don't believe in holiness. They don't believe in real righteousness. They believe only in imputed righteousness, which is simply a tradition of man. It is not according to Jesus Christ. Now verse 9. For in him, that is in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are in him, having been made complete, That's not, and you will be in him and made complete. It is now. It is present. Who is the head of all rule and authority? Verse 11. In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision not of human origin, by the stripping off of the body of the flesh in the circumcision done by Christ. The flesh that is stripped off is here a reference to the carnal nature that we received through Adam with which we were born. Mankind was created in the image of God. But in the fall, man was born after and in the image of Adam. Look at Genesis, the fifth chapter, verse 3. Now, the Apostle Paul constructs the strongest possible term for stripping off to show the complete removal of moral depravity and a complete restoration from the fall. Paul's term of stripping off in the Greek is prefixed with apo, denoting separateness, and ek, ek, denoting outness, thus constructing the strongest possible term to show the riddance, the complete riddance of all carnality. Paul uses this same word in chapter 3, verse 9 where he says, having put off the old man with its practices. Now, I want you to see this. And I know it's going to be very hard for you to hear what I'm saying because we create allowances for ourselves. 
Today, I'd like you to make a decision to stop making any allowance for your wickedness, for your disobedience. Don't say, oh, I'm weak. I don't have the power. I'm overcome. Jesus understands. Someday he'll make me righteous when I die. No, don't make any allowances for sin in your heart. Don't make any allowance for separateness from Jesus Christ in your heart. I know. We're addicted. And with every addiction, there is an element of the demonic. Some of you are addicted to alcohol. Some of you are addicted to sex. Some of you are addicted to pornography. Some of you are addicted to the internet. Some of you are addicted to your cell phones. I see people sitting in a worship service and they can't stand not to pick their phone up and check it every five minutes. They're addicted. It's sin. They're separate from Jesus, and they're caught in their addiction. Some of you are addicted to food. Some of you are addicted to complaining and feeling bad about yourself. Some of you are addicted to some particular pleasure, some sport. Some of you are addicted to some event. Christmas comes around and some of you are addicted to Christmas. There's a demonic spirit that comes into people around the time of Christmas. They become all sentimental. They become all, all involved. Christmas is everything. It eats them up. And then the day after Christmas, there's a, a crash and burn and, and suddenly they're depressed. And they're facing the winter. Oh, but they can look forward to Valentine's Day. And so many people live from holiday to holiday. There's a demonic element in this. In every addiction, whether it be to smoking, to drugs, to sex, to money, Yes, some of you are addicted to money. It means everything to you. You'll spend days and hours and weeks thinking about it. You're consumed with gold fever. I've had gold fever. I know what it, I know what it does to a man's heart when you see a, a wonderful business opportunity and you say, wow, I can do that. I can make that work. I can make a lot of money and then I can just relax. And Jesus will say, And after you get all the money, I'm going to require your soul. And then who's going to get all the money you stored up in your big barn? Now, do you understand? I'm going to try to say it very clearly. If you're going to follow Jesus, he must be everything to you. If you're going to follow Jesus, 
and you're going to be made righteous by the circumcision of your heart, then Jesus must cut off from us or the Father must cut off from us everything except his son, Jesus. Now, let's come back to the scripture. Verse 11, this is Colossians 2, verse 11. In whom you were also circumcised with a circumcision not of human origin, Now, what was this circumcision? It says, by the stripping off of the body of flesh. Stripping off the body of flesh. This is speaking about everything in your self-nature and what you want, and what you treasure in yourself. Everything changes. Everything shifts. See, many of you, you want to be a follower of Jesus, but you want all the things that you already have achieved and already have. You cannot keep what you have achieved, or what you have done, what you have accumulated. You can't keep any of that if Jesus Christ is going to do this circumcision of your heart. It says, in the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in the baptism, that is, Romans 6, you're crucified with Christ, and you died. And my question, please, let's be straight up and honest today. Have you died? Or do you still have to have the news? Do you still have to have the movie? Do you still have to have the sport? Tell me, you love that sport. It's given you a sense of a belonging, a sense of accomplishment. But let's say that today your soul's required and you die. Will you continue that sport? Now, I've never seen a, a dead body out participating in a sport. Have you? No, they're buried. They're put in a coffin and they're putting six foot under. They're buried. you're going to have to be buried with Christ. And everything is going to have to go. And you will keep only that which Jesus Christ keeps in you and directs you to do and to be. You see, today, we're so shallow. I'm so shallow. I was crying out to God last night and saying, Oh, God. I'm so shallow. 
I don't understand these words. I read them, but oh God, I need to know the true meaning of these words that I'm reading. And you need to know the true meaning of these words that I'm reading to you because it's life and death. It's serious. Have you been buried with Jesus? You cannot be resurrected with Jesus until you have died with him. And that means all the things you're interested in. The music. The games. If a man dies, does he continue to play his music? Are you kidding me? Does he continue to count his his money? No, he's dead. Have you ever stood with someone as they died and watched them take their last breath and then have the family rush in to get what they can get and fight over what remains? If you're dead, everything in your life stops. Your games, your sports, your lust, your favorite meals. Everything stops. You're now dead. Don't understand that you're dead. The demand to follow Jesus here in Colossians, the second chapter, is that you be buried with Christ Jesus. And when you are buried with somebody, it's because you're dead and you're in a casket. And when you come out of that grave, you have different tastes. You have different desires. You have different dreams. You have different goals. Everything has changed. You're a new man, a new woman. Listen. Having been buried with him in the baptism, with whom you were also raised by faith in the working of God, the one having raised him from among the dead, and you being dead in the trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive with him, having shown himself gracious to us with reference to all of the trespasses or sins, having already done away with the handwriting and the ordinances against us, which used to be contrary to us. He's taken it out of the midst of us after having nailed it to the cross. What's he, what's he talking about? Is he talking about the Mosaic Law? Absolutely not. Jesus said it had to had to be fulfilled. And then until all things were finished, it would not be changed. He's talking about all of the ceremonial and even health laws. It's all been nailed to the cross. Having stripped the rulers and authorities of their power. In other words, 
when you die with Christ and you turn your face to him, the devil no longer has the ability to grab you and twist you and cause you to go back to the wickedness. And that's where the self-denial comes. Remember I said at the very beginning, this is not an easy or effortless road because it requires daily self-denial. We have to make the decision, will we deal faithfully with our souls? And if Christ is risen, if Christ is risen, then we must die to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil. Because if we don't, we will face the judgment of God. And we will miss out on all the joy. We'll miss out on all the wonderful, wonderful life he wants to give to us. And then he says, therefore, what's the therefore? Because you've died with Christ. Therefore, because he's nailed all of these laws, these ordinances, he's nailed them to the cross. Therefore, let not any man judge you in eating or in drinking or in the matter of the feast, annual feast, or the new moon, month, or the Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. Don't let anybody judge you in these things because they are a shadow of coming things, but the substance is of Christ. Now I want to take you to another passage of Scripture because this really comes right down to what the issue is. It's found in Colossians, the third chapter. If then you were raised up with Christ, and I have to stop again and ask, have you been raised up with Christ? Don't tell me yes, but you still walk in sin. If you still walk in rebellion, you have not been raised up with Christ. You are still a dead man or you are still just a sinner man. If then you were raised up with Christ, you now are in a new condition. It says you must seek the things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You must set your mind on the things above, not upon things of the earth. For you died, and your life has been hid with Christ in God. Whoa, 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 wait. If you have been raised up with Jesus Christ, if you've entered into the resurrection, then you are to deny yourself and your thought life, your mind, is to be set on things above, not upon earthly things. 
for you died and your life is now hid in Jesus Christ. So it's not like the dead man comes up out of the grave in Jesus Christ and now he goes back and he grabs all of those old vines that I spoke of yesterday and begins to feast on all of those old wicked things, worldly things, lust things, carnal things, begins to grab those and connect them to his heart again, then you're in fact rebuilding what the Holy Spirit has destroyed in you and you become worthless for the kingdom of God. And that's why he says in the seventh chapter of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, It's the man who builds his house on the rock that will endure the storm. There is a storm coming upon America like a freight train. And you are not going to endure that storm if your house is not solidly built on Jesus Christ. You may lose your house here. You may lose your job. You may have to move in with friends or family, or you may even be homeless Can your faith withstand the storm that is coming? You may be sent to jail. You may be persecuted for serving Jesus Christ. Can your house withstand the storm as it beats against you? Or will your house come tumbling down? Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do many wonders in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You worker of iniquity, you worker of wickedness. This is the person who never was willing to totally die and give themselves to Jesus Christ. Instead, you gave yourself to a good religion, to a good church, to a good pastor. You gave yourself to a philosophy. You gave yourself to an intellectual understanding. You went out and sacrificed time and energy and money and did all this wonderful stuff. Jesus says, I don't know you. You never died with me. You never joined me in the grave. You kept all of your good stuff and tried to add me to it. I'm not that way. You can't add me to the wickedness of your heart. For you died. And your life has been hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, our life may be manifest, then also you will be manifest with him in glory. Accordingly, you did voluntarily put to death your members that are upon the earth. And now he names them. Sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustful desires, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, 
Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you also walked at one time when you used to live in these things. But now you did also voluntarily put off all these things, anger, wrath, ill will, evil speaking, slander, obscene speech out of your mouth. You must not lie to one another, having already put off the strongest possible term, put off the old man with its practices, and having already put on the new man. Well, some of you think that you are half old and half new. So evidently you think that this is a a self-help process. You clip off over here the smoking, and you clip off over here the pornography, and you and you determine over here that you're going to be more patient, you're going to let go of your anger, you're going to forgive. And now you're a Christian, and you're good to go. Nothing could be further from the truth. Your entrance into heaven is not dependent on self-improvement. Your entrance into heaven is based on whether or not you are willing to die to all of that, to die to your life, to your dreams, to your bucket list, if you're willing to let go of life. No man can enter into heaven who has not let go of his life on this earth. Will you do that? Are you willing to do that? (laughs) Are you still the old man? Grumpy old man? Angry? Have an attitude? You know, it's interesting. I've struggled and struggled with with Christians, so-called, over this issue. You hold a prayer meeting and no one wants to pray. So you sit in silence. What binds them to the silence... I'll tell you what binds them to the silence. Stubborn hearts that are unwilling to fully confess and die to their flesh. For they have precious treasures they would like to keep. And they know that if they begin to pray aloud, they will be exposed. And they will have to make a decision about their treasures. And please, my brother, my sister, I don't mean to be offensive but you cannot go to heaven holding on to your treasures. It's like how they used to trap monkeys. They'd put out these glass jars with a very narrow opening, and down in the jar would be some peanuts. And the monkey would reach in and grab the peanuts, 
and try to pull his fist out, but the opening was too narrow. Now, what's he going to do? He has to let go of the peanuts if he's going to be free, but he won't let go of the peanuts because those peanuts are everything to him. What are the peanuts in your life that you refuse to let go of? And so you're not able to pray. You're not able to come before the Lord and confess your sin and cry out for his mercy. You're unwilling to die to self. See, do you understand? When judgment comes, it can be unto repentance or it can be unto destruction. Those are really your two choices. Repent or be destroyed. For God will not allow in his holy realm, in his holy kingdom, unwholesomeness, wickedness, sin, rebellion, anger, bitterness. He will not allow that into his holy city. So you have to choose. Will you let go of those peanuts? After all, they're just peanuts. Compare that to your freedom? There's no peanut worth holding on to at the cost of my freedom. Can I say that again? There is no peanut worth holding on to at the loss of my freedom. There's nothing that can happen in America that can steal my freedom. My freedom is a God-given right to belong to Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in victory, in humility, in love, regardless of what the circumstances are outside of me, regardless of what the loss is in the physical realm. I don't live for the physical realm. I live for Jesus Christ. Now, let's already, let's be clear. If you put off the old man, that is, if you die, if you are crucified with Christ, if you let go of everything that you would let go, if you were a dead man, if you died of a, a disease today, you were laid out and you were dead, everything that you possess would belong to another. That's what it means to die for Christ. We are free men in Jesus Christ. We are free women in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we choose deliberately to put on as chosen ones of God, holy and having been beloved, 
we choose to put on deep feelings of compassion for other people. We choose to walk in kindness with all men. We choose to walk in humility before others, not boasting and not proud, but in humility. We choose to walk in courtesy one with another. We choose to be patient toward each other. We choose to bear with one another. We choose to freely favor the other ahead of myself. If anyone may have a complaint against another person, just as Christ freely favored you in this manner, you also must favor them. Above all of these things, have love, which is the bond of perfection. And so let the peace of God rule in your heart. Remember at the very beginning, I said that you must be perfect even as the Father in heaven is perfect. That perfection is known, according to John Wesley, by the love we share. Not tolerance. Love is not tolerant of wickedness and of sin. Many in the church today have misunderstood love. They have said it is unconditional and it's tolerant. God is never unconditional and he is never tolerant of sin. Jesus died because of sin. Do you think he's going to be tolerant of sin? No, not when he's opened a way for us to escape. So I ask today, what are the peanuts you're holding on to? Are you willing to die with Christ? Are you willing to let him be everything, everything The fond desire of your heart must be Jesus. O Lord, mighty one of Israel, in you, Jesus, are found all the treasures and knowledge and wisdom of the ages. And you've invited us to die with you, that we could be resurrected and live with you. Lord, it will totally change us. And I'm asking now for a circumcision of not only my heart, but every person listening. Would you circumcise our hearts once and for all, totally and completely, so that we will know that we live and die in you, Jesus, and not in the pleasures of the world, the flesh, or the devil. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, we're out of time. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to write to me and to give to cover the cost of this broadcast, then please respond as the Holy Spirit directs you. Some of you give $5, some $5,000. Whatever you are prompted to give, would you give? Write to me at 
National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Our webpage is up and repaired, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for directing my brother Ed. And he was able, through your guidance, to get it fixed. So you can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find where we meet. You're welcome to come and worship with us. Already begin making plans to come and worship with us on Christmas morning. Some have said, are you closing for Christmas? I thought you said it was Jesus' birthday, even though it's not. Are you kidding me? We're going to worship Jesus. If you'd like to come, you're welcome. You also can give online, and I want to thank each one who's been doing that, especially Dirk and Gloria. Many of you, thank you. God bless you. I love you all. My heart is filled with love and compassion for you. I want you to die in Christ, to walk free, in joy. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of God.